millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's November 1982. Two men go climbing at Auraki Mount Cook. They are Mark Ingalls and Phil Dool, both very able climbers and members of the Mount Cook Alpine Rescue Team. But a storm is brewing, and one that's going to turn their everyday climb into, well, a major media event that grips New Zealand. A rescue attempt is expected soon to bring down the two climbers stranded for more than a week near the summit of Mount Cook. How long have they been without food for? They've been without food since Wednesday, so six days. At Mount Cook, an Omaru doctor who's experienced in so-called mountain medicine... How would you go about treating them in such a rugged and cold place? Time for another midday report. In the programme today, the two climbers rescued from Mount Cook are now on their way to a Christchurch hospital. So back in 1982, it wasn't yet common to have this kind of rolling coverage of events. But as it turns out, the rescue of Mark Ingalls and Phil Dool will be anything but ordinary. I guess I saw it as a problem to be solved and a technical challenge. This is Don Bogie, a respected mountaineer and at the time the most senior member of the Alpine Rescue Team. It is a relatively simple thing to do. Just hang on a rope, the pilot lands you, you pick someone up, you fly away again, but it's incredibly serious, so you've got to be aware of anything that could cause problems. And this rescue that captures so much attention is also his story. A climber slapped crack mountaineer Don Bogie on the back, saying, I'm not going to congratulate you, mate. We expected you to do it. And those words sum up what became one of the most dramatic rescues in New Zealand mountaineering history. Don Bogie came up through the Otago Tramping Club and discovered he loved to climb. I just have a sense of awe with the mountains. Um, look, I don't go and do um, you know, hard climbs these days, but I do like spending a lot of time in the mountains. I always feel as though it's, not quite what it is, but it's just a really neat place to be. So it's this interest that brings him to the Mount Cook village in 1979. He talks himself into a job and just two days later he's rescuing Phil Dool from a crevasse on the Linda Glacier. Of course he doesn't know then that fast forward three years he'll be involved in a second rescue of Phil Dool, this time much more dramatic. Conditions may be set fair this morning for a first-time rescue of the two men trapped on the icy face of Mount Cook. So the first Don Bogie knows of his colleague's plight is when the pair failed to return from a climb. We sort of thought, well, you know, the weather's not very nice. That can't be, can't be, the, can't be the best. But, you know, you're not that concerned if someone's having a night out on Mount Cook. As long as you've managed to find some shelter, you can survive. But once you get a few days into it, the game changes. We knew the weather was atrocious. You couldn't even really see Mount Cook. You start going, well, you know, they're definitely in trouble now. Well, the helicopter has returned from the Gardner Hut, which I'm told is at the 5,000 feet level. After a few days, Don Bogie and his colleagues start searching for the men, despite the awful weather, and that brings its own problems. 
some things didn't go right. We pushed some of that searching too hard and had a very serious near miss in the helicopter, nearly crashed into the ridge. So, you know, after that happened, that was telling us we were pushing it too much. Was that in part because these were two of your own, as it were? You know, you don't obviously sit down and say, we're going to go out there and push it because we know Mark and Phil. But things like that happen. In hindsight, we should have gone, no, no, we're the wrong side of the line now. We should back off a bit. And then, almost a week after the men began their climb, the rescuers finally catch a break, literally a break in the weather. It was incredibly windy up there, and so we flew pretty much straight up to the most likely place. And well, there they were, really. Don Bogey manages to throw vital supplies and a radio down to the stranded men, allowing rescuers to talk to them and to share their story with a nation hungry for news. They're weak, but they're in good condition considering the length of time they've been up there and they're settled into what they call mid-peak hotel. So then we had comms, and the comms are both a really good thing and a bad thing because the weather went bad again and then the comms died and then it was, oh, they must be dead, they've been up there too long. That was the sort of message we were getting. And we were confident that now they had that food and gear, they were good for a lot longer, although we also knew they would deteriorate over time. And there's also the added pressure from a large media contingent. You know, wanting to know what was happening, wanting to know what we were doing. There was commentary out there in the wider climbing community by other people saying, oh, you should do this, you should do that, and we would have done this by now. But the rescue leaders stand firm. They need better weather to get to the men safely. And it soon becomes clear that Don Bogey will be a key part of any rescue attempt. He's the most experienced mountaineer and has the cool head needed for what lies ahead. Emotion is there, but you can't say, oh, I'm going to rescue this person at all costs because I know them. You've got to say, well, what are the risks to the rescue team? How much risk can we take in this situation? Calculated risk, then. Yeah, and that's what mountaineering's about. It's also about timing and choosing the right rescue option because there are several here. One is a helicopter landing at the men's snow cave. The second, a strop rescue. That involves Don Bogey hanging from a helicopter on a line, essentially plucking the two men from the Middle Peak Hotel. And the third option is using ropes to lower them into the Upper Empress Shelf. This is what Don Bogey is weighing up as he waits for another break in the weather. We were basically getting hourly weather forecasts from the Met Service and they started forecasting clearance. By that stage, the Air Force had come up from Wigram with an Iroquois. But unfortunately, the Iroquois crashed, flipped upside down and landed there with its tail hanging over a very large drop with four of our staff and three Air Force crew on board. Luckily, no one's hurt in the crash, but by the time the other helicopter has flown the Air Force staff to safety, precious minutes have ticked by, and an opportunity to rescue Mark Ingalls and Phil Dool has been lost. It was a long time ago, but I do remember it was, all, it was very intense. You know, all those pressures and expectations from people, but at the same time, you've got to try and stay focused on what you want to achieve. So the day finally arrives. The rescuers are all in place, but the cloud is still threatening. So the helicopter flies off course down to Glen Tanner, finds a hole in the cloud and navigates back towards Middle Peak Hotel. And Don Bogey, he's just got one thing on his mind. This is the job, we're going to do it. I don't think I was going, oh, what if this doesn't happen or how come, what if that? I don't think I was running all that stuff through my head. I was thinking, we know we can do this. 
It's become clear that using a strop is the best option, but the pilot, Ron Small, doesn't want to pull three people off the ice at once, so there will be two separate missions flown. Ron landed me there outside the little cave and Phil walked out. I can't remember what he said to me now, something about Mark still in his sleeping bag. We need to stretcher him. This is probably the riskiest point of the rescue is that I had to go inside the cave, three, four or five metres, to get Mark. So I had to tell Ron I want five metres of slack rope so I can go inside this cave, which isn't a very good thing to do because if Ron had to leave in a hurry, I'd be dragged out through this hole. So I did that, went inside, I just grabbed Mark's sleeping bag and dragged him out. So I was out in the open. So put Mark into this soft stretcher, clipped him on and we flew off. When you were attached to the strop and, and, and lowered beneath the helicopter, how, how did you feel? At the time it was just, well, this is pretty neat. You certainly get a good view, it's just you flying along there. But you're focused on your job, but you're still trying to remain situationally aware. You know, got to get up there, got to get the guys down. I was only on the ground for a couple of seconds and straight back up. And Phil, because he was walking around and had his harness on, I just clipped into his harness and we just flew straight back down again. And just like that, the men's two-week ordeal is over. Good news from Mount Cook. After two weeks stranded in the snow cave on the middle peak... Triumph at Mount Cook. The two trapped climbers have been lifted out by helicopter... The two climbers rescued from Mount Cook this morning are now on their way to Christchurch. Where but up on the mountain, it's not quite over. Ron had landed next to us. I can't remember what I said. I went, oh, well, you know, we've done it. And he just looked at me and says, we've got to get back to the base yet. <laughs> and I went, yes, you're right. The second helicopter collects the rest of the rescuers, leaving Don Bogey and one other colleague still on the mountain with the weather fast closing in. The cloud was getting closer and closer. We were looking at each other going, oh dear, (laughs) we could be sitting up here for a bit. But in the end, the helicopter makes it just in time. And so ends Don Bogey's role in a rescue he says he feels honoured to have undertaken. And yet, like other rescues at Mount Cook... It leaves a mark. By the time I left Mount Cook after eight years, I just wasn't climbing at the same intensity. So I don't know whether that was a getting older thing or whether that was... I, I suspect picking up too many bodies from places where you like to play isn't, isn't a good combination. A few years ago, Don Bogey was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to search and rescue and mountain safety. His dramatic descent to Middle Peak Hotel, just one of many times he's helped his fellow climbers. That is one of the rewards of doing it, is helping people. And you get into mountain rescue, and not because you want to go off and be some sort of hero or something, you get into mountain rescue because you go climbing yourself and you hope that there's other people around that will rescue you. So the best way of ensuring that is to make sure you're capable of rescuing others and it's sort of mutual. You know, it was a very simple rescue at the end of the day, but I guess it will remain a pretty significant event. I'm Katie Gossett, and if you'd like to hear this program again or others from the Eyewitness series, go to iTunes or you can find them at radionz.co.nz. And if you have a story you'd like told, email us at eyewitness at radionz.co.nz. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever 
is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.